So we went all satellite. So that was my first job and my first firing, and I've been fired eight times since. Today, it is our distinct pleasure to introduce and talk with Mac Watson. He's a versatile radio and podcast personality with over 20 years of experience. After a successful career in the music industry, he made the transition to talk radio just before 9-11. Giving back to the community is important to Mac as well. He has emceed events for various charities and nonprofits, including ALS Association of Arizona, Child Crisis Arizona, 100 Club of Arizona, and more. When he's not on the air, you can find Matt gardening, reading, and spending time with his family in Cody, Wyoming. He lives with his wife, two kids, and a rambunctious pup. Mac hosts a weekly podcast called Mac Watson Talks, where he explores current events through emotional connections, real-life experiences, and humor. In addition to podcasting, Mac offers voice acting and event MC services. His wide range of voice impersonations make him a versatile vocal talent. He also provides event consultation to help organizations plan and execute successful events. Now, I'm going to introduce Megan, who's my co-host, and she's the real connection between this show and Mac. So take it away, Megan. Hi, everybody. Thanks for being here. Thank you, especially to Mac, for being here. Um, he has his own show called Mac in the Morning, which is... Um, done in Cody, Wyoming. And that's actually how we met. He interviewed me. So it's my turn to interview him now. And um, which I love being on this side of the microphone. It's just, it's, it's the best. Um, but we, he interviewed me because I was on um, MasterChef. And then after the interview, we had a really great interview. It, I think it went really well. I hope it got views and listens and comments. Um, but uh he the the reason that we're connected today is because after my interview he spent i would say at least an hour and a half with me yeah. mentoring yeah. me and talking to me about the business and how to be successful and his story and how we got here and that meant the world to me and i mean i talked to that weekend i had talked to a lot of people a lot of you know people in the business and you were the only one that really like took me under your wing and was like hey you know come come with me i've got you right you know yeah. um and and you've been there ever since and i really appreciate it so um thank you for being here you are welcome. Um, and you are more than welcome. Yeah. Yeah. And and so we met in here in Wyoming, but you are not from Wyoming. You're from Phoenix. And how no. do people like us end up here? No, I am <laughs> I am not from Phoenix. I am from Maryland. No. Maryland. So I Maryland. So I was born okay. outside of Baltimore and got into radio. And I can tell you that that story, how I got into radio. Uh -huh. But I came from Phoenix. Phoenix was one of the, the, the markets that I worked in. And I had gotten fired from the radio station in Phoenix. And my wife is from Cody, Wyoming. And we, we always okay. kind of sort of toyed with the idea of wouldn't it be nice to raise our kids in a small town? And since she was from this small town and an opportunity opened up at KODI, and we yeah. just decided, my goodness, everything fell into place. So we moved to Cody, Wyoming in 2022. So I've been here since 2022 mm. from Phoenix. But I've worked in oh, okay. Maryland, D.C., 
Pennsylvania, Virginia, uh, Phoenix, and now Wyoming. So I've worked all over the country. And it wow. basically be a, th- a common thing with radio people. They, yes. They move around a lot. Yes. Yeah. Because you can't, you know, it's not like there's 17 different radio stations. Like there's 17 accounting firms. Right. You know, if I'm an accountant, I can just walk across the street and get another job. You know, you can't do that <laughs> mm-hmm. in radio. So I, uh, yeah. I this is yeah. actually my second career. I started out in publishing. I started out as a toy train and hobby uh, editor for a toy and train uh, publishing house. I knew nothing about toy trains. I knew nothing about marbles, you know, little cars, all all the stuff that we wrote about. I knew nothing about that. And this is before the internet, so you couldn't, you know, look it up. Research it, And I won a contest. There was an, it was called an audience of one member. And I won a contest where they said, you know, give us a reason why we should let you on the radio. And so I drafted this whole (laughs) fake letter that my my brother, that I don't have, that's fictitious, my brother was incarcerated in West Virginia. And because they had a 50,000 watt <laughs> stick, the only way I could talk to him was to get on the radio because I knew that their <laughs> signal went into West Virginia. So they brought me what? in. Yeah, I know. So they, they bought it. They brought me in and they were like, what's your brother in for? What happened? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's not true. None of it's true. I just wanted to be on the radio. And the general manager of the station heard me, came in and told the morning guy, who is that? Yeah. Did you hire him? Too. Right, right, yes. right. Who is this guy? Did you hire him? And, and the guy's like, no, he just won a contest. And so that started me wanting to be in radio because the guy, the, the, the morning show guy said, you ever, that, you ever think about being in radio? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'd like yeah. to. And it took two years because I didn't go to school for this. It took me two years to get my mm-hmm. first radio gig. And my first radio wow. gig was at a small, small, like 1000 watt AM full service station. So we would play news at the top and bottom of the hour and Celine okay. Dion and Mariah Carey and boy bands in between on an AM signal that wouldn't get out of the parking lot at night when we turned down the wattage. And my, my, one of my jobs at this station was to run Oriole games, you know, board op, Oriole baseball, Redskins football, uh-huh. and, and talk in between the songs. And my, my, my job at night, because I did nights from six to midnight, the, okay. the, the radio station was an old house. It was the first oh, floor because it was a ranch gosh. style house. So all the interior had been gutted. They left all the walls up, but, you know, they were now offices and, you know, production places and all that kind of stuff in a studio. And the well uh-huh. collapsed for the toilet. They weren't even on city water. So my job at night, after I turned the station off at midnight because we had to power it down, yeah. was to take a hose, hook it up to the Air National Guard <laughs> tank that was sitting outside of the window of the house. And snake it through the bathroom window and make sure the toilet was filled for the morning guy because he was too lazy to do it himself. And the general manager said, if the, if the hose freezes at night and breaks, you're paying for it. So that was my first, this, my first. This job sounds great. Oh, it was, it mean, was lovely. Let me tell you. And then I was, and then I was let go. That was the first time I was let go. Wait, you were uh, let go? From, yeah, they re- from yeah, fill- from the radio from toilet station. Filling? Yeah, yep. from the toilet mm-hmm. filling. They replaced us all with yep. a satellite. So we went all satellite. 
so that was my first job and my first firing, and I've been fired eight times since. So you talk about success. Yes. You talk about careers. Mm-hmm. You have to have perseverance in order to succeed because everybody told me. Yes. You know, at, when, when they told me you suck, you know, you'll never get a job again. I'll make sure nobody <laughs> hires you. Yeah. You have to find a way around those assholes in order to make sure that yes. you have success down the road. So if nothing else, yeah. radio taught me about perseverance and how to communicate, with, you know, how to communicate and how to make sure you get your message across. Because the one thing yeah. people need to realize in order to be successful, you have to know, A, who you are, B, right. what you want to accomplish, and C, how to tell people. Because we don't live in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. We live in a community. I mean, you know, Aristotle said we are social as well as political animals, which is true. We don't live in a bubble. Yes. We don't live in a vacuum. So in order mm-hmm. to be successful, you have to say, like you did, Megan, hey, mm-hmm. how do I do this? You know, I'm interested in mm-hmm. doing this. How do I do it? And I recognize that in you. And we talked for like almost two hours about, okay. Yeah. This is what you need to do in order to be successful in either you know broadcasting, podcasting. It's just basically presenting yourself. And by the way, you yes. did an excellent job on MasterChef. I don't know why. Thank you. Yeah, Thank whatever. You they, so much. They, they, I mean, you're they bigger made... than that. Get out of here. I mean, come yeah. On. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'm I know. Doing this I, now. It's yeah, smart. you're doing yeah. this now, and you're doing great. You're doing great. Thank so you. So that Thank was my you. first time <laughs> so... being fired. Yeah. So okay, I have so many questions. Okay. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that you're getting, I mean, is this just a dangerous industry? Because like, I mean, for setting yourself up to get fired, like people yes. are terrified of getting fired right. because you're supposed to number one, be yourself, you know, um, connect with people. Um, if you're, if anybody's being their self, people aren't going to like it. So people right. are going to complain. They're going to say this Max said this, fire him. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. I'm I sure get those that, calls all I'm the sure time. Was, I'm sure that happens every day. Yeah. yeah, it does. It does. So, so eventually, you know, sometimes you're going to have a boss that's going to listen to that. Sometimes you'll have a supportive boss, but like, um, I mean, I feel like it's just a dangerous industry in that way. What advice would you give? I mean, is it just grow a thick skin? Well, there's a number of ways to look at it. At some point, you're going to get fired whether you're in radio or not. Somebody is not going to like the way you do your job unless you start right out of high school being self-employed, right? You are at the whim and the will of another person, especially if you live in a right-to-work state like Wyoming, like Arizona, like other places in the West, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's not about, I mean, mean, it is about a thick skin. Don't get me wrong, but it's about being true to yourself. At some point, it's like a relationship. You know, you didn't marry the first guy that came along, right? The relationship kind of hit its peak and then kind of ebbed off and you decided, I don't want to do this anymore. It's the same thing with a job. You could be, I mean, I was hired in Phoenix by a guy who left two years later and is now running a, you know, another radio. He's the COO of another radio outfit. And my God, I miss him because when he left, he was replaced by another guy that was the exact opposite of who he was. So I knew the writing was on the wall when I had a new Mm -hmm. boss because that guy didn't necessarily agree with or run the company or the station like the guy who hired me. 
So, I mean, it's, you know, you can be, you you can be freelance, you can be part-time, you can be full-time. You're going to get fired at some point. It's a matter of not if you get fired once. It's how do you find a job after you get fired twice? That's the key. Okay. That's the key to Work success. Work for yourself, yeah. <laughs> well, you, you can do that. You can do that, and I wish I, I wish I'd figured that out when I was like twenty-five, but um, or, or fi- found a business. But if you if you don't, if you can't find a business and you rely on somebody else for a paycheck, which a lot of us do, mm-hmm. you've got to realize: stay true to yourself. Don't compromise. Make sure yes. that you're effectively communicating to your boss your wants and 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 goals. And if they don't align, you got to find somewhere else. You got to go somewhere else. Yeah. So, yeah, you can't make it. You're not going to make it fit. Right, right. Square peg, round hole. And you don't want to be miserable the rest of your life. Like our parents who, you know, they stuck to the, they stuck to one job. They got the gold watch and they died of a heart attack by the time they were 62. You know, we don't want to be our parents, right? So to, to illustrate my point, I was fired in Phoenix. Uh, I was let go in Phoenix because I disagreed with some things about Donald Trump. So mm-hmm. when you have a talk radio station, you kind of sort of align yourself with a political party, right? And this right. was around, this was after the election of 2016. Donald Trump started taking migrant children away from their parents and putting them in, you know, like warehouses, right? Warehousing was horrible store. Right. Well, mm-hmm. I, my wife and I adopted two kids in 2017, and they have direct descendants from Mexico. How do you think that's going to make so me course. feel thinking of my son all alone Absolutely. with a tinfoil blanket in a prison somewhere on the border? I mean, it makes you cry. Mm-hmm. So I started being authentic mm-hmm. and voicing my opinion, and they went hard right. They totally bought into okay. the MAGA thing. They bought into the hard right, you know, the far right stuff. And it basically yeah. became, look, if you can't produce what we want, we're going to have to separate. So I stayed true to myself and I was fired. You have to, yeah. So mm-hmm. it, so that illustrates my point yeah. of, you know, it, it it tore me up every day because I loved the station and I loved the, I loved the city yeah. and I tried to stay in Phoenix. But it just wouldn't work. It just wasn't going to work. It, you know, it was like, you know, right. it, it was the girlfriend you always wanted, but she didn't really want but you. But she was so, crazy. Or she was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you got to move on. You got to move on. No, that yeah, girlfriend, absolutely. the crazy girlfriend was Austin when I lived in Austin. That girlfriend was the type of girlfriend who would take your car, roll it on the highway, have it burst into flames. She would crawl out, missing a shoe, makeup smeared down her face, crying, call you on the phone, and blame you for the car rolling and wrecking the car. That was awesome. Right, okay. That was so a you total knew her shit too. show. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. that's a totally different story. Anyway, if you want to be what, successful. What time period were you in Austin? Uh, I was in Austin uh, from 98 until 2001. No, no, 2003. Right. So I was in Austin and Waco. Uh, don't go to Waco. It's a dump. It's not like Fixer Upper on HGTV. <laughs> it looks nothing like it. Um, they opened, they, when I was there, they opened a Hooters restaurant and had a priest, a rabbi, and a pastor bless it before they opened it to the public. Don't go there. It's a, it's a, it's a pit. Anyway, right. I, mean- um, I was in Texas in late 90s, early 2000s. 
And then I moved to Virginia. I moved to Richmond, Virginia and was there for a couple of years. And then I moved to Phoenix and I was in Phoenix for like 12 or 13 okay. years. And then I moved to Cody. Okay. And the one thing that you, that you have to figure out along the way is who am I? What do yes. I really stand for? And not stand for like, I'm all about gay rights or I'm all about no animal cruelty or, you know, no, no, just who are you as a person? Yeah. In okay, our house, yeah. we choose kindness. In our house, mm -hmm. we choose to be intellectually stimulated rather than just lowbrow stimulated. You know, we read a lot. You know, I read to the kids. The kids read to me mm -hmm. kind of thing. You know, you know, we go to church. We have faith-based, you know, you know, existence kind of thing. Who are you? Yeah. And what's really yeah. weird is you'll find that, especially in, with, with me and, and the people that I went to school with, I noticed the people that graduated high school and college with me, they reached mm -hmm. this plateau at like 30, 35, and then they just blew okay. their lives yeah. up. They either got divorced or they, you know, quit their job working 14 hours a day and went into, you know, something totally different. They had a turning point. And my turning point yeah. was I was standing in a club. I was in a nightclub uh -huh. at age 30. And all the 18-year-old girls were around, you know, all the University of Texas girls were around me. And this six-foot-five jock accused me of hitting on his girlfriend, which I didn't. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Before you take a swing, know this. I work for a very big company. And they pay me a lot of money, which means I can afford and they can afford a lawyer that will own you, your children, and your grandchildren. <laughs> now, if you want that, take a swing. If not, let's just walk away. And he said, not yes. worth it. And then walked away. And I said, I can't keep doing this. So that was kind of like my midlife crisis yeah. of I can't stay in you know, music radio yeah. the rest of my career. That was kind of my midlife yeah. crisis right. of I can't yeah. stay in music. I have to go into something else. And then somebody told me that they were starting a talk radio station in Waco, Texas, middle of nowhere between Austin and Dallas. Uh -huh. And because I had AM experience from the first mm -hmm. job I had you with satellite it. receivers and all <laughs> that kind of stuff, I got the job and that's how I started my talk career two months before 9-11. Two months before 9-11 happened. And then talk about, okay, so first of all, that's like a story of like growing up. That's like the coming of right. age, you know, the second coming of age, we have all have it, you yeah. know. And, and then you change jobs. You had to grow up two months later after, you know, you've made the transition. Now you have to talk about what is happened, what happened with 9-11. Right. And how did you do that? Where were you during when, it, when everything went down? I was in Waco. I was mm -hmm. on the air and on the Texas, air. I was on the air and Texas is an hour uh, be behind the East Coast. So it was, okay. it was about nine o'clock. It was about eight o'clock. It was just after I aired ABC News at the top of the hour. And I looked mm -hmm. up and we had television. We had a television in the, in the studio. And there mm -hmm. was a picture of the World Trade Center and just this little plume of smoke come out. And somebody, and I, and I could read the closed captioning because I had the closed captioning on so I could, you know, figure out what they were saying on the air. And I just said, huh, it looks like a plane has crashed into the World Trade Center. Now, I didn't think yeah. very much of it at that time, 
because there was, and I can't remember the year, like 99 or 2000, there was a ball player that crashed into a plane, like a Yankee. He was like a New York Yankee, okay. took his private plane and unfortunately crashed it into a building. So I'm thinking, okay. oh, it's just some guy that crashed into a building. So I keep doing the show. I keep going. And at nine o'clock, the second tower is hit. And now they've got wow. a wider screen. And now you see both towers on fire. And that's when I, I got off the air and another syndicated show came on. And I called okay. somebody and they told me, you put on 24-hour wall-to-wall news right now. We're being attacked. And I'm like, what oh, the hell does that God. even mean? The yeah. country's being attacked. The president can't be found. Go wall-to-wall with news. So I, I turned it on, ABC News, the, the, the satellite feed from ABC News Radio. Mm-hmm. And 20 minutes later, I had the general sales manager, the general manager, a couple of on-air jocks in my office screaming at me, are we next? Will we be attacked next? And I'm like, mm-hmm. what? what? What are you talking about? The president's ranch is six miles outside of Waco. George W. Bush's ranch is six miles outside of Waco, Texas in Crawford. Are we next? Yep. Because he went from Florida to Louisiana and then he disappeared. And everybody thought, oh, he's going to land at TCT, <laughs> Tec- Texas State Technical mm-hmm. College. Air Force One is mm-hmm. going to land and he's going to go to his bunker in his ranch. So I had to scramble okay. and I said, okay, okay, look, you know, I'm from Baltimore. I, you know, I'm, I, I know people who work at the DOJ. Lie. I know people who work for yeah. the FBI. Lie. I'll make some phone calls. <laughs> Ten minutes later, I say, we're not going to be attacked. Now, at this point, I know that I had a you 50-50 shot. I had no clue. <laughs> but I had a 50-50 shot that I was right or I was going to be horrifically wrong. And the president was going to land and then we were going to be a target. Yeah. Ultimately, that did not happen. But what it taught me was, is that no matter what happens, you cannot lose your shit. No matter what happens in work or your family life, if you go up like everybody else did, like the general manager and the general sales manager and the you know women crying in the office and everything like that, you got to pull it way back down because you have yep. to remain in control. You have to make sure that everything is taken care of within your power in order to move mm-hmm. everybody forward. So that's what right. I learned from 9-11. And then, of course, I had to learn where Afghanistan was, where Iraq was, what is a terrorist, what is ISIS, what is, you know. Then I had to learn yeah. all this other crap and do yes. a show and become a talk show host. Uh-huh. So, so yeah. that was a pivotal moment all at the same in my time. life yeah. that I realized if everybody else is freaking out. Try, trial by fire. You bring it down. There you go. Bring it back down. Yeah. Bring it down. Don't get upset. So when my mm-hmm. kids drive me nuts, which they do, yeah, I you have, have to bring to, that up. Reminds me, bring it down, bring it down, bring it down. But dad, yeah. don't you dad yeah. me. <laughs> hold on, hold on. <laughs> what, honey? <laughs> what do you want? What do you need? Just express your needs, that kind of thing. So that's that's yeah. what I learned from nine eleven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I mean, I feel like I was, I, I remember 9-11 as well. I was working in downtown Seattle and, um, we thought we were the next target as well because we had, yeah, I was working in an office building downtown 
and uh, there was we didn't have TVs all over the place. There was no internet on our phones yeah. and all of that. And and so like all the phones, all the phone lines were down, so we couldn't get any information. So everybody just imagine a hundred office buildings draining into the bus system. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So I was on a bus like this. Yeah, with trying to get home. Five million other people trying to get home. I I got on any bus that I could. Everybody was panicking. People were crying. We were the next target. Where's yeah. the World Trade Center? We have a World Trade Center in in Seattle. So people were talking about our World Trade Center got bombed. You know, and it was just it was a mess. And I I'm can sure. totally see that like everybody was in panic mode. And now that we have like the more sometimes you just even if. Like some, we have the information, but sometimes it's not available immediately like you did. And sometimes you have to make a choice. Oh, yeah. You have to say, yeah, like, and you could have said, you could have, you could have made the choice to say, oh my God, I'm terrified. I'm going home too. And, or know, just stop or just freeze. Been. Yeah. Freeze. Yeah. 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 Um, but you didn't. And I think that, yeah, that did have an effect on everybody around you. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 I mean, my boss, my operations manager, who was on the country station and who's from West Texas, said, you know, I just, like like months later, this was months later, he said, you know, I really thought the shit was going to hit the fan, but you kept your cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And I was like, thanks, Zach. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. Months I later. I was terrified. You know? I was terrified, <laughs> we were too. all yeah. terrified. <laughs> but, I mean, it was, just, it was just nuts. It really was. It really was. So. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, um, moving from, I mean, what do you think? So you moved to Wyoming, you wanted to raise your kids in a small town. Um, Cody is small. I mean, Wyoming is only 500 and what, 80 some thousand people. So, I mean, were, were you expecting, is this what you, well, your wife is from here, but were you in kind of culture shock a little bit or did you adapt? Well, Okay. The, 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 the good news is I was, I was eased into the bath. I was not scalded okay, so with water. Visited. Right. We, we would scalded. come up every six months before we had the kids. And when we had the kids, when we, when we adopted, we, uh -huh. we decided, uh, that we would come up every six months and help my father-in-law who was getting along mm -hmm. in age. He has four acres outside of town. And he just couldn't mm -hmm. keep up with it. He just could not keep up with four acres like he did when he was younger. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I would come up and for like three or four or five days, eight hours a day, I would be outside ripping down trees, you know, mowing stuff, you know, just just getting it back to somewhat, you know, looking okay, not overgrown. And right. that would be our vacation for a number of years. So I grew to love the town and I grew, I mean, it, it's gorgeous up here. We're 50 miles outside yeah. of Yellowstone. So it is, yeah. it is just a gorgeous area. Well, you know, you've been here and if Bill, yes, you haven't been here, you got to come. I've got a rental house you can use. Just let me know. So, uh, okay. uh, right. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a gorgeous place to live. And I also like the people. There's the cowboy code here. You take care of your own stuff. You take care of your neighbors. I mean, it's a small town, mm -hmm. so everybody kind of knows what you're doing and everybody kind of knows what's going on, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But if you keep your stuff together, it's a great mm -hmm. town. If you're, not, if you're not a, you know, a dumpster fire of a person, you can yeah, make really long-lasting, real relationships. In Phoenix, it was mm -hmm. all about 
retiring. It was all about resorts. It was all about, hey, I'm just going to drive my car in the garage. The, the garage door is going to go down and yeah. we're just never going to talk to our neighbors. That's what it was like in Phoenix. And everybody wanted to play golf in Scottsdale. That was it. Okay. Um, was there it. wasn't yeah. really a community. It was almost like curated. That, yeah. 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 Kind of. Yeah. But, but here it's, it's, oh, I know that guy. Oh, I've talked to that guy. Oh, that guy knows me from, or that guy knows my wife. They went to high school together. So it's all, it's all like people you never met, but know you, if that makes sense. So you can Absolutely. rely on those people and that's, and that's cool. And of course mm -hmm. my daughter hates it. It's so boring here. There's nothing to do, blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> she's doing much better in school. She has much better friends. She, yeah. she has much better mm -hmm. social connections than she did in Phoenix. And the education system is wonderful compared to Arizona. So we're pretty right. happy. Isn't like Wyoming, isn't like Wyoming number two in the nation for student spending or something like yeah. that? Yeah, I, because of all the mineral rights. Right lights. under New York. Right. Okay. But, but they, because there's less kids, your money goes mm -hmm. farther than New York. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? Just because you spend yeah. a lot of money on a per child doesn't guarantee you'll doesn't get a great mean, education. Yeah. That's not the, that's right. not here because you've got around 500,000 people and you've got all these mm -hmm. kids that get the biggest bang out of the buck because of all the mineral rights that they have set aside for kids. This, this state has what they call a Hathaway scholarship that if you get a okay. three point average in high school, you can go to the university uh -huh. of Wyoming for free free because of the Hathaway what? scholarship. They have funded scholarships for all the kids that graduate from a Wyoming high school. Look it up. It's called the Hathaway scholarship. If you can maintain Megan, Megan, yeah. I'm sending Liam and Rowan your way and they can finish out their high school there. Yeah. I mean, I have a motel. I have plenty of space. Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> They'd be good workers. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Good labor. Yeah, they learn how to. They, they learn a job. They learn a, a skill and a trade, and they go to school for free if they graduate from high school with a three point oh. Yeah, so right, so, and then I can go on a vacation. So I'm in. Just text I know me later. It's good for you too. Well, yeah, you could totally so. take over your office. Yeah. I'm I'm in for it. Yeah. Right, right, I would pay him actually if he wants to come. So, um, but right. but yeah, um, so I mean, you had mentioned a little bit about move the transition from um music to talk radio and yeah. that it was kind of like a, a, a growing up experience. And, um, where, where were you when you were in the music, in the music side of, of, uh, radio, where were you living at that time? Okay. So when I was doing that music, Phoenix? was that Phoenix? No, no. When I was doing music, mm -hmm. I did music at mix 106.5 in Baltimore, Z104 and uh -huh. DC 101 in DC. I went to WPLJ in New York City, hated it, left. Yeah. then wound up in, in Austin and was fired after nine months in Austin. And that's where I was in the nightclub and the guy threatened to punch me. And I'm a 30-year-old guy hanging around right. all these other young women. And right. I said, I, I can't so do this. I just can't do this. Right. So what is that life like? Is it like being a musician? Is it like you're partying every night and going and hosting uh, in these Austin events it and is. doing all of that? In Is Austin, it? Austin was a bunch of young people. The tech boom just started around 2000, mm -hmm. and then the tech bubble burst, and that was devastating. But yeah. it was dollar beer, dollar margarita nights, Tuesday mm -hmm. through Thursday, uh, all you could okay. eat, appetizers. I mean, it was just it, it, everybody <laughs> went out and drank. 
or waked and yeah. baked, you know, and I'm like yeah. talking to a 29 year old teacher and they're talking about getting high every morning. And I'm like, you know, it's like, when are we going to grow up here? You know? So I kind of yeah. bought into that for a little bit and, you know, hanging out with musicians yeah. and interviewing people that would come through town. It's fun. I'm sure. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, it's a it's an arrested state of development because you're you're mm-hmm. you're part of that lifestyle without actually being in the lifestyle, and it was fun. And right. you know what I loved about mm-hmm. radio from the beginning was theater of the mind. I could get on the air and be anybody or say anything, you know, within FCC regulations. But I could yeah. be anybody and talk about stuff or joke about stuff until Janet Jackson. Uh-huh. Until Janet Jackson yes. and the whole nipple ripple from the Super Bowl. Everything changed after that. If you listen to air checks of my night show in Baltimore versus later on, I mean, it was scandalous what I could get away with before, what, 2002, 2003? And everything changed. Okay. And now, instead of, instead of, you know, your boss would say, you got to get ratings. You got to get ratings. You've got to maintain right. what, your whatever ratings. cost. Yeah. At ever cost, whatever cost. You know, say the things that other people wouldn't say. Do the things that other people wouldn't do. After Janet Jackson and all the FCC lawsuits, it was good lord don't lose the license. Don't lose the license. Your main job is to not lose wow. the license. So we pulled way back and it became stale and it became bland. And it became non-creative. And then you had companies buying other companies, buying other companies, until there were only about four or five major corporations that owned all the radio stations. And then the bean counters came in. And they would look at the market, and they would look at how much you made. And if you made too much money, you were gone. And it's been like that ever since. That radio has been on steady decline because of social media, because of the internet, because of the web, because of YouTube, because of podcasting, because of all these other factors, radio is a dying industry. And it sucks because we know our audience is getting older. And at some point, my daughter, my, you know, my daughter doesn't know what AM radio is. My daughter doesn't know what a top 40 countdown is. If she wants music, she goes to Spotify. If if she wants music, she goes Absolutely. to Pandora or listens to her friends. They don't discover music on the radio anymore. They don't listen no. to Casey Kasem or Rick Dees or even Ryan Seacrest anymore for new music. So what do we have? Okay. What do we have to offer? Yeah. So where is it where is it going then? Can can you guys keep up with the trend and, you know, switch gears a little bit? Podcast. Okay. Phone. It well, it's yeah. all going to your phone. If you don't have an app as a radio station, you radio will be dead. App. Yes. yes. Yeah. Right. If you don't have an app where people can access your content, you're dead. You're dead in the water. So when I was coming up, mm-hmm. it was all about pushing stuff out on the radio, people listening to the radio. Now, what it is, is completing what I call completing the circle. If you mention it on air, you have to post it on web. You have to push it out Mm -hmm. to social media and complete that circle. It's all about content. Don't get me wrong. It's all about what you say or content, but it's how you push that content out. It's not who has the biggest stick, who has the best station and the best imaging to make it sound like it's just, you know, huge. It's all about content. And what podcasting has really done is it has taken 
the power of the broadcaster mm -hmm. and given it to the people in what is called narrowcasting. Broadcasting is we play music, we give you information, we'll tell you about school closings when it's bad weather, we'll, you know, have an EAS yes, system okay. in case, God forbid, there's a there's another 9-11. That's broadcasting. Narrowcasting is I know everything about Japanese feudalism in Japan in the 14th century. Yes. I'll talk yes. about it on a podcast. It's all yeah. about narrow casting now. And that's what, right. that's what that's what people want and that's what people seek out. So what I do is I take some elements of my radio show in the morning and I convert mm -hmm. them to a podcast that then I push out and let people know, hey, if you missed this, if you couldn't listen live, because appointment <laughs> listening doesn't exist anymore. Appointment listening only yeah. happens for sports, live sporting events. That's it. If you okay. want to hear me or you want to hear my interview with you or someone else, mm -hmm. well, I've put it up on our podcast app that you can download whenever you want. So that listening, exactly. you know, when, when I woke up in the morning, my alarm was set at six o'clock because I loved a morning show. I would listen to the morning show until seven. Then I would get out of bed and then I would get ready for school. And then when I got in the car, yeah. I would immediately change back to my favorite radio station. That doesn't happen anymore. My right. my daughter and could care less what's on the radio stations now. Yeah. And there's a downfall to that, I feel like, because... Well, you, you can't know, sell like, it. You example, can't make money. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're keeping ourselves in our little bubbles that we already know right. and are comfortable and like. in. And we're not... Yeah, yeah, and we're not reaching outside of that, so we're just putting our we're compartmentalizing. Is that, is that yes? Yeah, yes. Ourselves. Compartmentalizing. I, I mean, our entertainment. Yeah, my yeah, our entertainment. Like my daughter is twelve, and she's obsessed with Korean pop music. How does she ever find out about yes. Korean pop music? I have no idea. She's obsessed. That's all she listens to. She knows all the. I mean, like K-pop. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, K-pop. And yeah. so, I mean, we're not, yeah, we're just not like listening to stuff that, you know, I used to listen but to the on radio. on the other hand. Yeah. On the other hand, you were talking um, about how one company bought other companies, bought other companies, and now there are like four or five in the whole industry right. in radio. That is kind of like narrow casting too. You're still broadcasting right? the signal, yeah, but it's really narrow casting because if you look at what are the if you were to you could probably tell me the top ten subjects or hosts of talk show talk radio, right? It's all conservative. You don't really hear liberals or progressives no, no. on talk radio. No, that's true. Oh, and why. it's controlled by a couple syndicators, so it's, it's even more it's, narrow. It's money. Okay. Yeah, it's all about the money. True. Right. Those people will buy stuff, and right, they'll right. listen re religiously. It is a religion. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And right. that. And, and, so and that. With. Go ahead. No, I was going to say with podcasting, we don't. We don't. Eventually, we will, but we don't suffer under the same kind of regulations and rules that you do. Right. Like we I can wonder. Say, I wonder if you that's can curse. Coming. Yeah, you can curse. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. no seven second delay. There's there's no censorship, and, and and you know we we also don't. We're like I, I think music creators are the are in a similar uh, kind of situation. 
they don't have to rely. Now, if you want to get big and be like Beyonce, you have to, or Taylor's, well, Taylor Swift's different, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but you can create your own music now and narrowly focus on yes. your audience and do quite well. Yes. You have the yeah. power now. And that's what I tell people. That's what I told you, Megan, mm -hmm. is that you don't have yeah. to go to school, get a degree, and then go to a physical brick and mortar mm -hmm. place with a resume and a tape or a CD or a, an example of your work and say, would you please hire me? Start your own YouTube channel. Start your own podcast. Start your own yep. whatever. The technology mm -hmm. has 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 basically made it easier and more accessible for people to control what you see and hear, and yeah. more people are taking advantage of it, like you guys, like me. Now the problem is, mm -hmm. how do you monetize it? How do you break through yeah. and become you know big and monetize it? That's the that's going to be the challenge is how do you get more right. eyeballs to see your podcast? How do you get more ears? So then you can go to a company or a syndicator or whatever and say, hey, I've got this many downloads, you know, put your advertising on my podcast and pay me for it. That's mm -hmm. going to be the challenge. Yeah. How are people going to pay for it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, getting views in the beginning. And I think it just starts out slow. It's kind of like a rolling snowball, you know. Um, I. Or, or, you know, sometimes, sometimes it does happen. I guess for me, it happened overnight. I think that's rare. Um, but, but I see but you were given a platform. People, like, that was the secret. You were given a platform yeah. of being on a network. And now you can, and no, this is what I TikTok, told you. Though. No, 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 yeah, no. But be, yeah. being on Fox gave you accessibility right. to a number of eyeballs. Now you push stuff out and people can say, oh, I remember her. Or I saw her, right. or, oh, yeah, I remember that show. So you keep pushing out there, hey, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, and I was on this particular show. That's mm -hmm. that's the difference maker. If I didn't have the audience that I did and the accessibility in Phoenix, my podcast would suck. My podcast wouldn't be downloaded by anybody because nobody would know who right. I was. But because right. I, kept I kept putting stuff out and saying, hey, mm -hmm. I got fired, now you can listen to me here. That's how I generated mm -hmm. an audience in Phoenix. And then people started sharing it across the country. And we've been downloaded. We've been downloaded except for like six countries in the world and one state, wow. Vermont. For some reason, nobody listens to Vermont? me in Vermont. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's funny. I wonder what's going on in Vermont. I don't um, know either. Yeah. Do you, wow. do you do you disparage maple syrup or something? No, yeah. no, not at all. And I don't and I don't say anything bad about Bernie Sanders either. So I don't know what the hell their problem is. So I went to Vermont as a kid when I was like three years old because the the Von Trapps owned a, a ski resort up there, and my mother loved the sound of music. So that's the only time I've been oh, to Vermont. Too. But I have nothing bad to say about it. Me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I know. So. um can you, I mean, we've talked about your career. We've talked about your journey. I'm curious, what is your life like at home? How does your wife put up with all of this? I mean, if my husband was fired eight times, I don't know how I would handle it. I'm, I want to meet this woman. Um, <laughs> you can through the podcast. She's on the podcast yes. with me. So, so she That's helps. That's right. Yes. We, we have two podcasts. We have one that is free that you can download for free. And that talks uh -huh. about, you know, issues, topics, you know, during the, uh, of the day and stuff like that. 
And then uh-huh. we have another one on Patreon that you have to subscribe to and pay, you know, five, okay. 10, 15, $20. And that talks about our foster care journey, our adoption journey, yes. and our marriage. And so she's Amazing. been instrumental. I mean, the day I was fired, she started a Facebook page for me and basically got I me. Love it. Yeah. And basically got me in touch with people that were like, where'd Matt go? Where, where's Matt? Because I was like, I don't want anything. I, I don't want anything to do with it. So to answer your question, my wife has only known me since I was fired once. She has okay. not been with me. We met, we met uh, 12 years ago. And so I was, uh-huh. I'd only been fired or I've been fired once since I've known her. And she basically put her foot down and said, whatever happens here in Cody, we're not moving. So good for so her. I am not. And, and what's weird is I, ever since she said that I've been offered three jobs. I've been offered three jobs wow. from three different stations across the country. And I'm always like, sorry, we're not moving. Sorry. So yeah. And do you, and, and do, how do you feel about when you say no? How do you feel um, like when you say so, that? So far, it's been fine because the quality of life here is better. Uh, yeah. You know, I work for I a great that... boss. I have a great, you know, great relationship mm-hmm. with my boss here. You know, I'm basically, I run, you know, nine different stations and the AM station that I'm on. So I have a lot of, yeah. you know, I have a lot of control over stuff. So, uh-huh. you know, I, I have more autonomy to do what I want and to, and, yeah. and to really have a vision for these stations where if I went back into a larger market, it would be like, you're on the air from 3 to 7 p.m., you do afternoons, shut your mouth about anything else, no ideas, we'll handle everything else, just do a show. So I like yeah. the creative freedom I have here in a, in a, in a non-rated market. And that's, and that's hard to give up, and that's confirmation right there that you yeah. are in the right place. Like, you know, when but you throw if I the get coin fired, what do air, I do? Yeah. It, right. What it, do you do? What, the podcast. <laughs> That's not going to make us enough money to pay the mortgage. That's the problem. You know, I, I'm still going to need a nine to five job. So I am white knuckling right. my job right now that, uh, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll ride this out as long as we can. So and, and hopefully I my kids get through high school. Right. I mean, I think for you, Wyoming would be the best place because it's so like the wild, wild. It's like the wild, wild. wild I mean, like. There are no rules here. Like, right. have you experienced any of that? I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, there, there are rules. It's lawless, I tell I, you. It's not, yeah, it's not lawless. There are rules. <laughs> yeah. that you, you know, you can't speed, you can't kill somebody, and you can't bury a dead horse. <laughs> right. You know, um, there. Uh, but but there is this, there is this freedom of there hey, is. You know, property rights are big. You know, Second Amendment is big here. Uh, you know, you do you, but don't infringe upon my rights. You can do what right. you want, yeah. but don't infringe upon mine. So it's not like some East or West Coast cities that are very tightly controlled, very tightly regulated. Not at all. So you can be you uh, within within a, you know within the law kind of thing. And I and I like that. I right. like that that cowboy code. Yeah, it's kind of yeah cowboy code. It's kind of refreshing. And and when you were talking about cowboy code, like this story immediately came to my head because when I first moved to Wyoming, I did not realize that when you're driving on the sides of the, the highway or and on the sides of the where the shoulders are, that those yeah. fill up with snow and those are not flat ground. Those are ditches. No, they're not. No, they're not. Yeah. And you can be dragged off <laughs> the side of the road if you're not careful. Ditches. That's yes. right. There are ditches. That happened. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so not cool. Some, somebody, I, I needed to make a U-turn. So I just drove off to the shoulder where I thought was the shoulder and I just drove straight into the ditch and <laughs> somebody 
saw me do it and he went home, got his chains, helped me, pulled me out, said there you go. You know, wouldn't take any wouldn't take any money from me, was just like, there Yeah, I saw you do that. I knew that nobody was around, so I just thought, right. you know, and I was panicked. I had my kids with me. I was in a new state. I was in the middle of nowhere. I had no cell service. I mean, it could have been a total nightmare. But that yeah. cowboy code right. exists. It does. It's real. It does. Yeah. Try mm -hmm. to find that in Seattle. You know, when you got a flat tire on the side of the I-5 or whatever. And, you know, you're right. trying Nobody's to figure out you. how do I get off this road and get down to a, a safe place to change my tire. In Wyoming, yeah. everywhere is safe. There's no hardly any traffic. So just change your yeah, tire on fine. the road, you know. You're fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I do love that about this place. So so tell us a little bit more about your family before we have to go. I know that we're winding up to the end, but um, you have two kids. You have yeah. a dog. You garden. You have a normal suburban life aside from all of this madness yeah. and crazy job. Yeah. But it, but, so but it's, it's a balance. It's... It, it, uh... Talk radio and radio itself becomes a lifestyle. That's the thing. Okay. I am constantly mm -hmm. processing information, constantly looking for stories, constantly doing mm -hmm. show prep. And so I have to really organize my time. And my wife gets yeah. on me all about uh, all the time about it is when you're home, you're home. Be present. Okay. Be yeah. with the kids. So, you know, I talked about, you know, my growing up moment, you know, when I went from music to talk radio, the, the, another growing moment is when I met my wife. When I met my wife, I had been through relationships, 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 and I kept, you know, just banging my head. And, you know, the next thing I know, yeah. I'm paying for somebody's surgery, you know, I'm, yeah. living, I'm letting them live rent free in my house, you know. And then I just, you know, I, I just burn everything to the ground and I never talk to these people, like these, these women again. And I met yeah. my wife and it was like, you know, God just opened a door and go, here's stupid. This is how it's supposed to be. Yeah. And so ever since then, I have uh -huh. been much more open, much more, uh, not agreeable, but, you know, my wife has taught me about charity. My wife has taught me about yeah. giving. And about kindness. And so mm -hmm. she was a lawyer. She'd been a lawyer working for the state for a long time. And she came home one day and said, I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. And Good we talked her. about it. And I said, okay, I was making crazy money in Phoenix and mm -hmm. living in my dream house or whatever. And mm -hmm. she, she, she quit her job, started working for a nonprofit. And she came to me one day and said, we need to sell the house. This is insane. We live in Phoenix. Yeah. You have a two-story house in the hottest place in the country. Our electric bills are through the goddamn roof. We need to sell this house and consolidate. And I'm like, but but it's got a pool. It's got, look at the, you know, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I had everything. The cathedral ceilings, the granite countertops. Yeah. I have all this stuff. And she's like, no. And so I've learned to be more practical and more, yeah. more open to, you don't have to show off. You don't, because I bought into the no. whole, I've got to live a lifestyle. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm Mac Watson. I'm on a, I'm on a radio station, you know, kind of thing. I'm a, I'm yeah. a local celebrity or whatever. And yeah. I bought into it's it. It's not like that out here. No. Yeah. No, nobody gives a no. damn. I'm on nope. a radio out nobody here. Nobody gives a cares. shit. Well, I mean, people don't care, probably care who you are in the grocery store, where back in Phoenix, they probably, I mean, you probably wouldn't have been mobbed. Like, yes. nobody in Wyoming cares that I was on Master Chef. Like, every, I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's really, it's different. It's just different. 
right? Mm-hmm. It is different. Yeah. So, so it's when, more about like, are you a good person? Are you, right, right. How are do you, you a treat genuine others? person? Right. Are you, are you genuine? How do you treat others? Kind of thing. So, so when she she went to work for a nonprofit, and then she we st- I started working through the radio station with a nonprofit called Child Crisis Arizona, and they were an adoption and foster care agency. Uh, and at the time we would raise money, we would raise, help raise awareness and money for them. And mm-hmm. it was like our second or third year. And we were at a, at a dinner, you know, celebrating, mm-hmm. we had just, you know, raised, you know, $600,000 for this organization. Wow. And the, and the CEO said, when you think you can't, you can. Mm-hmm. And for some reason that just hit my wife and then it hit me and we decided to become foster parents. We tried having our own kids. We had four miscarriages. We suffered through four miscarriages. And my wife said, I really think we need to be foster parents. And at first I was like, are you kidding me? Why in the world? What? (laughs) I did not have the best childhood. She did not have the best childhood. I never wanted to be a parent because why would I want to inflict my Catholic school upbringing on, you know, some innocent (laughs) child? You know, and and she had her own demons that she had to conquer. And it was so funny because once we, because I thought, okay, okay, let's just do this. Let's just get qualified or whatever, you know. Every time I would bring up, well, you know, I got hit a lot, you know, or my dad locked me in a closet, you know, or whatever. And they would be like, oh, so you recognize behavior and patterns that a child who has been locked in a closet would exhibit that's a helpful tool for you. So everything that I thought would make me wow. non-qualified to be a foster parent, wow. they turned it around and would say, oh, okay, that means you know what it's like to be abused. That You know wow. what that's like, and therefore you can help that child. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to happen. You're like, oh Crap. no, I want it out of this. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> so we became, we became foster parent. We got licensed. And about two weeks later, and, and they always tell you in foster care training, you're going to get your heart broken. The goal is always reunification with the bio family. Uh, mm-hmm. You're, you're going to fall in love with these kids and mom and dad are going to get their act together and you're going to have to let them go. Or, you know, there's going to be situations that you're going to think, I can't, I can't, I can't, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We were called two weeks later. We went down to a nondescript office building in downtown Phoenix. We picked we picked up her kids. And I never liked babies because I dropped one when I was like eight. <laughs> and I got the shit beaten out of me because of it. And this little boy, this 11-month-old boy, leaped into my arms and chose me. And my wife always said she never wanted a girl because she remembers being a girl. She's one of six girls. Mm -hmm. And this little seven-year-old girl was scared and crying on the floor. And my wife bent down and she said, my name is Melissa. And the girl looked up and said, gave her her name. And Melissa, for some reason, just said, everything's going to be okay. Oh, and I'm God. holding this 11-month-old going, what the hell am I going to do? Yeah. 
Buy you are not supposed your your first placement. You are not supposed to get kids with rights severed. You are not supposed to get kids who are in the system that are ready to be adopted, and they are not supposed to call you at home. The agency called us at home. They had rights severed. Our first placement, we were on the clock. We had six months to decide. Oh my God. And we adopted them six months later. And they've been with us ever since. And it, I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna tell, I'm not gonna tell you the name, yeah. but if we had children of our own, we were gonna name the boy after my father-in-law with my wife's maiden name as the middle name. His initials are JS. The little boy who's now my son, who is a, who was 11 months, had the same first name and his last name started with the same initial as my wife's maiden name. Wow. Now he has a Hispanic yeah. name. The name is pronounced Hispanic, but the English name is the, the same and spelled the same. Is that not fucking weird? Is that not it's, meant to be? I know, but all these yeah. things that we think are weird, it's yep. not. It's, it's not. It's meant to it's, be. It, it, it's meant I, to be. Yeah. So and, I, you know, go ahead. Yeah. So I just feel like, and I know that you believe in God, religious, I don't know, Christian, maybe, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But I feel like he, him, she, uh, the, the universe speaks to us in all different ways and you know, you needed that direct, you know, yeah, you needed right. that exact thing to line up for you because exactly. you weren't sure, you weren't sure, you weren't sure. Oh, I, not even I wasn't sure. I was convinced I would yeah. not, I would not be good at this. I was convinced. Yeah. And yet, and then and you yet knew. six months later, here we are, you know, okay, we're signing the paperwork. We're in court. We're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. So these are yeah. your kids. And now yeah. you're dad. Yeah. That's so yeah. I actually have a shirt that says Mac Daddy. Easy. No, yeah. no, no. No. It's never, never easy. But it's the most rewarding yeah. thing I've ever done. It's the most rewarding yeah. experience I've ever had. But at the same time, it's it's scary as hell. How do yeah, I handle this? What am I supposed to do? What if this happens? you know, you catastrophize, catastrophize, catastrophize. And all you yeah. can do is say, I'm going to do the best I can. Because that we, we learn in foster care, as long as you're present 30% of the time, you're doing good. As long as you can wow. be there yeah. and be there for the child and help the child 30% of the time, you're doing good. Wow. So, okay. you know, <laughs> if I'm batting 300, yeah. I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Yeah. So. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, at least they give you something to aim for. Like, I feel like I, you know, yeah, there's no classes for when, you know, you just get pregnant. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, yeah. too. If I had not gone through classes, there's no way. I mean, I had to go through classes. I had to go through therapy. I had to go through all these steps. Yeah. And then I that's started so discovering, oh, that's why I did this. That's why yep. I was it not successful in this. I now learn and know more about myself because of foster care training and going through therapy and making sure that, you know, 
you don't pass yeah. the bundle. They call it the bundle. You don't pass the bundle of dysfunction onto the next generation. And that's uh, what we're not doing. My wife and I are not doing that. At least this to is God good we hope. Stuff. Yeah, at least we hope to yeah. God we're not doing that. So we could do we could do yeah. another episode just on foster care and and being a parent. We could do that I because would love it is that. I would it is love that. so it is such a yeah. monumental task, and people take for granted. Well, I'll just have a kid, and I know everything about being a parent. No, no, everybody should no. take a course. Everybody, everybody should take, should a, take course. a course. I, I, yeah, I would imagine the best parents are the ones who are terrified of it. Yeah. And the ones You're who are wrong. like probably the worst parents are like, yeah, it's going to be easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Megan and you and I were talking about this like two nights ago. Mm -hmm. It's like there's no book, there's no manual, there's no like yeah. guidelines. Sounds like you got some. Yeah, yeah. And maybe I know there's that an opportunity. Great. Like, maybe we can extend this foster idea to other parents, right. you know, to, to the parent community and say, these are what, you know, these are some helpful things. Maybe there are some classes. And that's part. Because, I, you know, you look at people who have kids at like 17, 18 years old. They're just not ready. Oh, they're no, just not ready. No. But maybe well, even, they have 27 or 37 they'd be years a little old. bit ready. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, I wasn't ready at 40. Right. So. Yeah. Right. And I wasn't ready at 40 either. So, and that was one yeah. of the things that we found with Child Crisis Arizona is that they offered these tools to parents that had biological children and we got the word out and people were like, Oh my God, I didn't know I could take a course on that. Or I didn't know that I could, you know, yeah. find out more information about that. People just don't know that there are tools I've out there. I've never heard about this until right now. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. And that every yeah. agency, whether it's, you know, DFS, DCS, whatever it's called in your state, they have uh -huh. these tools, if you will, that any parent can take advantage of, but people just don't know about it. So that's why right. how we got started with, with Child Crisis Arizona in Arizona, talking about it and giving people information. Plus, there was like over 14,000 kids in foster care at the time, and they needed wow. people to come forward. And that's how we got involved. And yeah. after a couple of years, my wife and I decided to do it. So that's how we became, that's how we became parents. Oh, that's a beautiful awesome. story. That's awesome. Thank you. I just have chills. I'm. Thank you for sharing that. Sure, sure. Uh, uh, yeah. I gotta actually get um, my son ready for bed. I know. Can you tell <laughs> us everybody where to follow? Can you tell everybody where to follow you? Oh, sure. Um, how we can how we can support um, you know your other podcast and sure. where we can find it, and even if we're not in Wyoming, how we can watch. So, if you want to listen to the radio show, it's kodi kodi radio dot com. You can listen live in the morning or find. Uh, interviews on on the uh, the website. Mac Watson yep. Talks is on Spotify, Google Play, uh, Apple Music. It's wherever you get your podcast. Mac Watson Talks. Patreon is patreon.com slash Mac Watson Talks. That's the uh, that's the one about us being foster parents, us being about you know our marriage, that kind of thing. And of course, uh, Mac Watson Online, MacWatsonOnline.com. Okay. You can find you can find stuff there. So great. Just type in just Google Mac Watson radio or Mac Watson online or or Mac Watson talks and you'll find me. Uh-huh. Okay, great. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Tell your family hello for us and and I will. we we appreciate you so much and I would love to have you back on. Oh, anytime. Absolutely. Just let for me know. Sure. Thank you, Bill. Thank oh. you, Megan. I appreciate it. Thank right. you. Thank you. We'll see you Take soon. Care.